is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 2 of Series 7 and I look across the radio studio desk here at uh, South Bank and I, and I see a man whose jaw is on the ground. I, I think there's red eyes, which I think are from tears. You look dishevelled. You look a mess, Craig Hutchison. And I, and I think I know why without knowing why exactly. We've just finished watching, or we haven't watched it together, but the Super Bowl's about an hour completed. And it's the first one you've missed in 16 years. Yeah. And and you are doing it tough. First world problems, Damo. It's a little private uh, quest I set to myself a long time ago to try and get to every Super Bowl for it, for the rest of my days. You're and tearing up now talking about it. It's Look emotional it. times. James, zoom in on that. That had been a time 18 months ago where I'd have been happy enough just to own a television in 18 months from now. So... You got to put it in perspective, but yeah, look, it was a great Super Bowl. I was ashamed to miss in that magnificent six billion dollar stadium. They've done an amazing job. It went yep. to the wire, uh, well under the Rams. And what do you think of halftime? Very quickly, I loved it. I, I don't know whether it's okay to say that, given there's uh, rappers involved and obviously language in songs that is questionable on on many fronts. But I thought, look, no one does entertainment better than the states, and and no one does sports entertainment better than the states. And they just continue to tick that box in that halftime break, in my eyes, and. I I was yeah you know, I didn't know half the songs or couldn't remember half the songs I didn't even know the words of some of them but how good was it though for it, 12, 15 minutes it was breathtaking and I thought halftime was as good as we've seen in a long long time if not ever magnificently done the ensemble cast clearly works um, the pageantry the theatrics the design was great the uh, Eminem got the, probably the biggest roar I see he took a knee during the he did take yeah, a knee it had, yeah it was very uh, modern and progressive in its tone and The Rock what did you think of The Rock as a wrestling <laughs> fan I loved it. I was on the phone when The Rock was on I yeah. saw him on but did he did he put on a bit of a, a show did he just rev the crowd up or? He, did, he was in rock character you know oh, was he? finally the Super Bowl's come back to LA okay. and did the whole but he got he absolutely got you, you fired up for the game and yep. uh, wonderfully done it must be said I know that you'll never come to a Super Bowl because even though you take 22 weeks annual leave 10 you do feel that it's eight, too close. Seven weeks season. out from the season is too close. In case something earth shattering happens, in case there's a hamstring down St Kilda or something, um, but if they do move the game at any stage to October 26, uh, you'll be a candidate to make it. That's about far enough out from the season. So I don't know how anyone can have so many holidays and yet be still so paranoid about what happens during them. I only half make any sense. I only half jest about the tears. Got you. I have you have got red eyes. And I think you did well up just then. I've seen you with my own eyes well up during that national anthems U.S. style. And I've been with you, Hutchie. I do love the U.S. national anthem. Did you well up today? I love the U.S. national anthem. I love the New Zealand national anthem. I am very much part of the Robert Craddock movement of I am, you are, we are Australian as the Australian national anthem. (laughs) And that's another story. And you also like the the no musical backing. A cappella. Yeah. This is my pet hate. Do not ever play the backing track. The Australian national anthem. When it goes... Oh, oh my goodness. I just tune out too. On a, on a good day, it's just fair, the Australian national anthem. <laughs> I am, you are, we are Australian is a far more emotive and tells our story better. And always, never with ba- that backing track is yeah. hideous. I reckon that backing track is, the, is the initial backing track they recorded when it first became the national oh. anthem in the, was it the 70s? We, we were taught it, I was taught it as a prep. Was it, it only came in in the 70s, didn't it? It's, it's lazy. Yeah. And, and you want to hear the artist's voice. Like yes. The backing track, if I'd list my top 10 pet hates in life, that meaningless pet hates, yeah. it's in the conversation. We'll get this going during the year. So, yeah, the, the yeah. backing track for the Australian National Anthem only or backing tracks for all? Memo to event planners who have the means to make their own decisions. And that's not me, by the way. But if you are putting on your own event somewhere, A, 
um, We Are Australian is a better choice. B, if you don't want that controversy, play the national anthem, but get someone to sing it without the backing music. And then when we will, if you do that and send it to it, we will promote it here on the sounding board. <laughs> it drives me crazy, Damo, that, that uh, lame backing music. I'm with you on that, actually. One more on the Super Bowl before we move off. Uh, I, I love that from the perspective of the, the winning team, the Rams beating the Bengals. I love that because I don't think in the history of world sport, Hutchie, we've ever had a team more in on the need to actually win the big prize than that club this year in the NFL. And they fell in by three points and, and had to do it tough in the end with blokes going down during the game and before the game. So I, I love it because... You, you and I clash on this ideology. You, you like a team that goes to the bottom, almost deliberately goes to the bottom and, and rebuilds, a bit like the Bengals did through the draft to get to their position. I, I like all stories of that regard, but I actually do have a special place for, for teams that go for it and, and, and basically cough Uh-brave. up draft picks. They haven't had a draft first-round draft pick now for, I think it's been yeah. a total of five years, at least, on the, on the recruits. A little different. It. it depends on your circumstances. They came back to a city, had to win it over, and they had a Super Bowl coming. So on that basis, you, you absolutely roll the dice and live with the consequences, don't you? It, it's, and it's a bit more a bit more culturally acceptable to do that in the States. Here, we don't cop it here, do we, in Australia? Well, well people like you, and I say you because you do have influence, you, you you are a big subscriber to the rebuild and to do it properly. No, I'm not. I'm not. And to almost deliberately I'm not a finish to last or second That's last to fair. get a couple of picks. I just think in AFL, there's no point playing players who are not necessarily part of your next premiership. It's okay if they're the captain, vice captain of their a leader of their trans, but it's the role players sort of six to 10 who aren't part of the next era that who are 33 that I, that I'm not, not so hot on. But anyway, that's but you, just, but you'd argue that the Rams team was full of that type of player. It was, but Damo, are your ears painted on? I said, they, they moved to a city from St. Louis. They have to win it over and they got a Super Bowl coming. So on that basis, chips in, that's a, that's a, that's a different conversation and a different day. Uh, by the way, next year's the Phoenix open. This is a, a small gratuitous, um, Referral for our ballpark entertainment team. We took a big group today, so there's, we had 40-odd clients here today. You once had 82 people in a, in a Super Bowl stadium. Right. Next year, I've done, t- I've done two Phoenix Super Bowls. Uh, you reckon that's the best one, don't you? Well, Because the golf on the weekend? The golf on the Saturday, which we saw a hole-in-one on the weekend. So that let me tell you about that. I've seen a hole-in-one on that hole in person. You would have started crying Saturday when you, when you saw that ball go in. There's 175,000 approximate people. It's the same weekend as Super Bowl. 175,000 approximate go on the Saturday. There's probably 60,000 on that hole. There's probably, <laughs> well, 40,000. There's probably another 40 or 50 trying to get to that it's hole. three stories high from the, isn't it, to the tee to the green. It's and electric. It's, it's whole day's electric. encompassing the whole hole, isn't it? And people will have a habit of sleeping in the Friday night and don't get there early on the Saturday. You must get there early on the Saturday. The groups go through early. There's the, They have the um, all the the pageantry and and uh, the and how far is Phoenix from LA? It's only what well, you drive, know, couldn't you? Hour and a half, no, <laughs> an hour, hour and a half flight. Yeah, but Phoenix next year, the city you have the Super Bowl on the Sunday and the golf on the Saturday is magic. So if you want to come along, just drop us an email and we'll get you to our ballpark. Oh, guys. We're doing doing ads now, yeah. are we? There you go. <laughs> I, I will guarantee you, I will be there. <laughs> I don't care if I'm unemployed <laughs> and busking. I'll be there. <laughs> would you? Would you? Would you dare rough it and sit up in the in the bleachers like some people have to? Or would you? You only know one way. Yeah, Super Bowl, don't you? Well, it's, corporate it's, box. No, center it's, of the ground. It's a hustler's tier two. I, I, I've said this. I've retired and hung the boots up on the hustle, but many years ago, it's a hustler's paradise because. <laughs> The competitive advantage of having been before, because the organisers 
in that city haven't been. They're all freelance staff. So you've got a competitive advantage on knowing your way around. When you think back now on that, it was only about five years ago. Yep. When you barged onto the ground to touch the Lombardi than that. Trophy. It was probably a decade ago. No, I, don't, I think it was closer to five than decade ten. A decade ago. Do you, are you embarrassed now? Uh, no, it was a good little phase of my life. And it was about the fifth or sixth time I'd done it. It was just the first time the cameras had caught me. So anyway, all part of the fun. Let's get down to business. Yeah, we should. We should. ScoMo last night, you pledged not to watch 60 Minutes. No. I, it ran second in the ratings, so it might have been some people like you out there. But you, I bet you watched it, didn't you? I, I did. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> well, the TV was on, and then they did. promoted it, and then... I think the timing of it went, the meal had been finished, the family meal, and, and I think it was my, I felt it was my turn to clean up. So I left the TV running, and, and I, I actually, I'm embarrassed to admit I've watched it, Hutchie. up as an insider into the Barrett house. <laughs> well, I hadn't done oh, it Was there a, a roster on the fridge? How's it work? It's <laughs> no, Sunday, it's, Damien, it's just a, it's, Monday, Janine. That's usually me, actually. Tuesday, but, kids, <laughs> back to Since they've been back, back, since back, they've back to demo. school, they, they seem to get out of it, Hutchie, which is annoying to uh, to people who uh, have to do it. That's but, a, that's a no, lot. but that's the reason I was watching it. And then, then I went to the ad break and I, I hung around for the second part of it, too. A few questions for you. I'm going to interview yep. you. Did ScoMo win you over at all last night? No. Nah. He didn't. He didn't. Go, he didn't slip for any further in my estimations. But he didn't. How would you go assess high. his performance? Typical scomo, just all, all, all image, all, all image uh, over over any form of substance. Did you think it was Scotty from marketing again? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't produce your family in those moments unless unless you're worried about image. What did you think of Jenny? Well, she's a star, but I don't think it changes anything, does it? I, I mean, we're not. We're. I mean, as when a consumer, star. Oh, she's a media star. Like she, <laughs> she knew what to say. Yeah. And she came across really well. Um, I think the, she speaks better than the, he does. And the kids? Oh, well, I felt sorry for them. And they're sitting around trying yep. to have a dinner and then, then he – okay, so Hachi, take me last, through the – Last couple of questions. Yeah. As a, as a curry man yourself, you would have had a good look at the curry. <laughs> um, what did you make of the curry that he made? Was it on point with the curries you made, of course, in the dish back in the day? Or did you think it lacked a little – few herbs? Look, what, what, was I, your, what was your view What I will curry? say about the curry, and you know I've, I've got a certain view on, on how he produces that on social media, he might actually know what he's doing in, in that space. Well, you I, think in that 12 seconds you, he won you over as a chef there? And he won me over. You asked me the question, I'm giving you my he answer. Might I, know what he's doing. I, I, I don't think he just takes at the top off a, a sachet of curry or a jar of curry. I think he – well, he gives the impression as though he knows what he's doing. So that, that's a starting point, hasn't yep. he? So there's a tick. Okay. And then the ukulele. Ukulele. Well, <laughs> I want to get to you on this Let's one. Let's have a listen to the ukulele for a moment. <laughs> this is ScoMo playing last night on TV. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. He might have up to 30 advisors in some capacities that he's got access to. He'd obviously have one or two that he, he's go-to people. And there'd be a, a, a list of dozens beneath those two people who, who would advise on how to appear in public. Take me through the advisors meeting that says, um, yep. Carl Stefanovic's coming around. We, we've chosen to do this, do it this way. Carl Stefanovic um, is, is, the, is, the, is the interviewer we have chosen to let into the family house to uh, have this face-saving and, and election-winning strategy to, to make him soft in the eyes of the public. How do you get to... Let's play a ukulele, as though it's impromptu. Yeah, well, I'll take you through the media side of it, what I thought. I thought Carl was the right choice to yep. interview. Yep. There was probably several choices. He was one of several. But Carl is cheeky, respected. Yeah. And he did, a, he did as he always does, a fantastic job. And he asked the questions. He asked he, the right questions. But he got away with a couple. He got yeah. away with the Hawaii question. Yep. Um, but he still asked it. He, he still asked it. He wasn't wacky over the head hard, which you know I think some others may well have been. So I think he was the right choice. Number one. 
Number two, they agreed to like this was highly choreographed. So they agreed on the house yep. as being environment one. They agreed on his office second interview environment two. They interviewed on they, they agreed on having a beer in the pub on the tour to the Sunshine Coast town environment three. Yeah. Three environments to sit down. I think pretty good because what the danger was if they just sat down the two of them that only Jenny's grabs are going to run because Jenny's so much better media performer than yeah. Scott. That I think if you're the advisor, you go, we need a fair bit of Jenny in here, but we also we need to show him at work, and we need to show him as relatable in the pub. So to his advisors, <laughs> I reckon you got the mix right. <laughs> I reckon nine would have said, we want these five and Ryan's. Oh, we'll haggle out that fourth one. No, you can't have him at this, you know, this day, that day. Canberra, eh, but I'll have you at his desk. Let's get to the ukulele. The ukulele struck me as an impromptu decision. I can't imagine an advisor signed off on that. It's high risk, high reward. Oh, he doesn't do too much without in advance, being able to canvas people, Archie. It, and I don't – like, you can see, by the way, that Jenny went, oh, that she was – she was like, oh, here we go again. I've heard this one before, and that's my role in the room, and I don't really want to have to do it, but I don't want to leave him there stranded. So if you go back and have a listen to her, whoa, 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 it was a half-hearted, oh. And so I reckon the whoa, whoa, whoa that Jenny went with suggested to me that she wasn't super comfortable with the decision. And he might have said some point in the interview, oh, I should go and get the ukulele. And then Jenny went, oh, hang on a minute. And then, no, no, I'll be right, that will be fine. So, you, so you've read that into it on the back of it being a half-hearted, reckon, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I don't reckon it was in the script. I reckon the three locations were. Yeah. Um, Jenny, you're right, absolute star, authentic, handled herself well. I respect the way she handled the Grace Tame question and – Clearly shines a, a different light. I thought it was a good night for them. They had a, oh. they've had a rough run. <laughs> Scott's had a really rough run. He's done some mind-numbingly stupid things. The, the hair thing like we talked about last creepy week. hair washing. I thought it was a good. It was risk reward. You're not going to please Twitter. You're going to get the left of. Oh, you, no, that's, a, that's a given. You that's anyway. a given. Everyone's going to be like yep. into you. And and but I thought it was a good, a better night at the office for him. Ukulele <laughs> aside, I reckon he just played. He just bowled one too many overs before lunch. I reckon. <laughs> Went for a few. You know, like he <laughs> he was five overs, one maiden. But the, that sixth one got him? Yeah, one for 15. He didn't need to bowl a sixth over with the ukulele, I think. He went he, it went to the boundary. But other than that, I thought it was a pr- – and, and Jenny clearly hates politics. I, bu- I bought that from her. I believe that's genuine. Oh, I don't buy that bit. No, I bought it. I, I, I thought it was – I thought she was very authentic, very re- relatable and likable. She's been it, married to a full-time politician. You can tell she? that she thought he makes a bit of a pickle of himself at times and she has to deal with it. And clearly knows that if he is to win, she needs to be yeah. – she needs to help him. Well, that's what the whole thing was about. And so the idea was, well, Jenny, look, we've got two choices. We're going to get beat here or we're going to go again. And if we're going to win, I'm going to need your help. I reckon that was the conversation. And at right now, she's a better political performer than Scott. So <laughs> – I gave him the points last night. I must admit. So you you watched both segments too. Both yeah, I watched both, and yeah. I think uh, to to be fair, I'm looking. They promised at the end that Elbow will get his go. I'm looking forward to that too. I, I think his media work's been much better in the last six months. I'm looking forward to seeing how he performs. If you're the Albanese camp, you're sitting down and you're saying, right, yep, Scomo's gone, Kira Billy, which shows that he's the prime minister because that's the prime minister house. That was a good decision. Yeah, Curry shows he can cook. Pub was a nice move. Everyone's done the pub, but he's done the pub. And the office, and the ukulele. again, illustrates the point of difference over the opposition. The ukulele. Elbow's probably got no choice but to roll well, in his rugby league club, do you uh, think? Do you reckon one of the league's clubs in Sydney? I reckon if I was farming a market, yep. it'd be league's club in Sydney. Well, we'll be an advisor for Elbow for the next two minutes here. 
He's going to need. He'll go to the leagues club in Sydney because his great passion is rugby league. Yep. And that's you know, those leagues clubs at the heart of the community. So I reckon he'll go to the leagues club. He'll need something. He's got a, a much better female base than Scott, which wouldn't be difficult. So he's going to need something that lurches to the other half of the community. Yep. And we know he's lost. He's lost weight, hasn't he? Is that a makeover of sorts? Yep. Is, is there is there an angle in that part of the the presentation? Yeah, I'm not, you're not I, sure about that. I don't. I don't think so. Okay, I, I, I'm not. I'm not certain you want to be tangling with appearance. But well, and the third it. environment needs to show him with some sort of authority. So they need to come up with something that says he knows what he's doing. So, right, so I don't, Le- I don't, leagues club, leagues club, something that speaks to um, being modern, progressive. Uh, he's appealed to you know, broader sections of the community, and then probably something that shows authority. I don't know what that could be, but. The other three environments, but there'll be there will right. only be two. We'll see. Right. We'll frame a market on it. By the way, Jenny gave I oh know Jenny gave the question from Peter Van Onselen a pretty good backhander last night. So, You've got him you, in the gun. You, did you hear the backhander that she gave Peter about asking the question? Before we get to Peter, yep. what did you think about her suggestion that it was disrespectful to their family to ask that question? Um well, we discussed this topic at reasonable length last week, and, and we didn't like the, the gotcha type of journalism that it was at the press club uh, luncheon in, in question. So I, I reckon she was more than justified in, in having that to say in that interview. Yeah, I think it was a fair story to tell. I disagreed with her that it was not in the public interest, but I do think he, he deprived his employer of the story by doing it there to be a, you know, a showboater. Yeah. So you've got him in the gun, PB. Well, let's talk- as he calls himself. Well, hang on, let's talk about it for a minute. So Peter Van Onselen, we're talking about Channel 10's I reckon I can chief replace, political reporter. Replace your fascination with Tom Brown. There's a new Tom show- Brown, Nick McKenzie. Tom Brown, Tom Brown, Tom Brown. You've been fascinated with Tom for years. There's oh, an- oh, no, 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 Hutchie. On the news- I am not at all fascinated by Tom Brown. There's a new sheriff in town on the evening news, and give me a drum roll if you can, please, Jane. His name forever will be known as. <laughs> Move aside, Peter Volandi's PVL. Drum roll. It's PVO. <laughs> this is the year of PVO. The chief political reporter of Channel 10, I'm late to the party on him, is is using our airwaves to push his agenda, which is not ScoMo's, and to build himself a PVO brand. Let me go. He did a good week at the office last week by breaking the story on the religious bill not getting up. But this is what he had. First of all, listen to this. He gets Sandra Sully... To introduce him by nickname. This is the Chief Political Reporter of 10 who's introducing a nickname to the news. Here it is. PVO joins me now live. Peter, one way or another, is this enough to spell the end of Scott Morrison? Right, so he's a nickname <laughs> in. Now, he's building a brand, PVO, mate. What he needs is a good self-reference in the script. <laughs> See if you can listen here to the subtle self-reference. On Monday, his own cabinet turned on him. One senior minister telling me things erupted. Me? <laughs> There's the royal me, Damo. The, now, the third Told thing, me. As, as Mark Stevens and Tom Brown, who picked up the baton from me, did it at the Seven News, you've always got to get your own nickname in the grave if you can. Listen deeper into the story. Can PVO get one of the politicians to mention his name? Well, I guess I didn't see you in Cabinet, PVO, and I did have a good look around the room. And finally, when you're really trying to whack the Prime Minister, you need to finish with a big, outrageous, Demtel commercial-style statement, as he's done here. Have a listen to this bit of, like, Crime Stoppers outrage in the story. In the end, Cabinet rolled its Prime Minister, prompting one minister to say the PM looks rattled. 
Not surprising given he'd put his leadership on the line and not even his own cabinet backed his political judgment. <laughs> so there you go, Damo. PhD, political si- political scientist PVO, he's <laughs> got it in the gun for ScoMo. It's PVO v ScoMo. I've never seen more opinion in a script in my life as getting through the editors at 10. And the biggest surprise out of all that, Hutchie, and, and, and I'm laughing at this because you've brought this to the table. You've actually done this. You've researched this. You've cut that up. But was Sandra Sully referring to Peter Van Onselen as PVO? That's the funniest thing I've heard out of all of that. Whatever. Hit Sandra's desk, the, the audio. It's the newsread. Sandra's been, he's probably the most famous evening newsreader since yep. Eric Pierce, right? This is not the rub on Saturday Triple M. This, this, this is Channel 10 That's National News. That's what Listen. <laughs> I've built a, an amazing career being the voice of Evening News. I don't know if I can roll this PBO in the <laughs> intro. No, no, he's, the pollies are calling him that now. You'll see in the story. Just give it a PBO on the way in. Oh, She almost sounded reluctant to call him PBO. I love it's that. Very, it's very nicknamey for A, a chief um, political reporter, and B, someone who's at the subject of his own um, it's case. Case, case yeah. Yeah. It's a bit casual. If you... you <laughs> Again, you you focused on him last week in, in a pretty significant way. He's clearly a person of interest in, for you into 2022. What? Let's call him a POI, a person of interest to the sounding board in 2022. I'm on a all points PVO watch. Is what he he's doing on the project? Is that in keeping with this whole platform he's now clearly mapped out for himself? And, and is it sustainable to continue with that role and and some of the arguments he gets in with co-panelists um, about certain topics What's- that that normally aren't the domain of the chief political reporter? Yeah, it's different. You don't normally... Like, if you think about the great political reporters over the years, you know, Laurie Oakes and Bongiorno and... Oh, there's a whole lot of them. Chris, um, Chris Reason, um, Mark Riley. There's so many. You don't often hear them have an opinion. They're very... He, Laurie Oakes retired... He, Laurie, he, Laurie did. Oh, excuse me. Laurie had... Study. Laurie had no often have, have an opinion that's, that's slanted one way. It, it, I don't know whether it's the tone of the stories that he's doing or yeah, but it's very. And I, I'm only late to the party, now, so everyone will probably <laughs> say they've been watching this for two years. He's, you're, you're fascinated by it. P- PVO. He's trying to build a brand on the back of the <laughs> Channel Ten News. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> well, you did. On the back of Channel Ten News, you built a brand. I wasn't trying to build a, like a caricature of myself, like like PVO is. Hey, you mentioned before that, that that question that he did ask at the press club was was of a nature that you felt if you were the news director of that station, I'd you would have thought my, I'd have had him in my office. Right, I raise that because uh, there's a New York Times journalist by the name of Maggie Haberman who has written a book about Donald Trump, and I don't know whether you've caught up with it, but I raise it in the context of that, Hutchie, because there was a, was a reference in the book to some official documentation relating to the the presidency of Donald Trump being stuck in a bathroom toilet, the, the inference being that he was trying to flush away certain you know, exclusive documents that he didn't want, want ever to see the light of day. Now, other journalists and media people have questioned whether the reference of that story and that chapter in the book should have actually been written on the run because Maggie Haberman is a beat reporter, yeah. effectively, for the New York Times when it comes to when it came to the Trump presidency. Where, where do we sit on that in, in 2022? Because, like everything in media, the goalposts have somewhat shifted on that. I think that's. That's without it not, in knowing the background. I think that's fair because I think if you're the New York Times, you you want that story in the newspaper. Now, 
they may have passed on it. They yeah. may have said, look, that's more of an anecdote than a news story today. That's something you write in your book down the track. That might have been an editorial decision, and that you can understand that. And the it's second also part too- of that might have been yeah, – other. I don't know who published the book, but – I would assume the New York Times have got their own publishing arm and maybe they made a decision that some things will be withheld commercially for the book run as opposed to the news on the way, which, again, is the publisher's prerogative. Yeah, and there's so many other reasons. I mean, she may not have been able to to verify it within the time frame of reporting it on a daily basis, and that, that would have been, I would think, a, a consideration potentially around all of that. But I think what what happens with a lot of journalists, and you're, I know you're like this more than most, is you often – have a little anecdote or a yarn that is actually a fascinating story, but it's not necessarily hard news of that day. Yeah. And you're forever looking – it burns a hole in your pocket, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because you know, you know it's going to have the town talking, but ne- not necessarily in the forum and, or platform you've got at that point in time. And, and you can imagine a world where Maggie went into the editor and said, look, I was going to write a feature on Trump for the paper today. I haven't got a lot of new angles, but he's had an interesting week. And I do have that anecdote sitting in my drawer that yeah. I haven't got out anywhere. Yeah. That, of, that often happens in journalism where you try and weave a, 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 a an anecdote back into a historical story just yep. to get it out. Yep. Because if most journalists, if they have something on the record that's of interest, it burns a hole in their pocket. Yep. And I know you were the same. Yep. Fortunately, I've hung the boots up, so it does. Since we spoke last- I think books we- are blurred, become very blurred line, though. I, I, like, and- I've seen the recent debate with you know, Malcolm Conn and what he learnt in the Justin Langer era. It is you don't act and behave with someone at the time as if they're going to write a book about you in the future. Yeah, do you? That that that's a separate issue to the one we just raised, though. That the Malcolm Conn issue, working for Cricket Australia at the time, Justin yep. Langer was was coach, and at the time that his tenure started to get testy amongst obviously people around him and, and Malcolm Conn being an advisor effectively for for Australian Cricket Australia, and then now reporting on certain aspects of that. As a journalist, again, which is what he does very, very well. Yeah, they are different issues. I'm just more interested in, you know, what's in the public interest in a book. You know, if it's not on the record at the time, I'm not sure it should retrospectively be. Really? Yeah. I reckon you can repurpose it in a, in a book in a, in a way that is very different and, and even more so compelling than it can sometimes be in that in that hard news chase, but we're probably getting a little bit Yeah, a lot of people write books when they no longer want to be a journalist too, so they're happier to live with the consequences, aren't they? <laughs> do you think? Do they? Yeah. When, when you're an acting day-to-day journalist, you're almost bound by your actions, the consequence of. When, when you've hung mm. the boots up, you, you, you care less, I think. Anyway, we're, we're going into other areas. Are you going to write a book? No. Oh, I've you, said, you've I've, talked about it before. I've, I've said only if you did it for me and with me. <laughs> I bounced it off someone and it wasn't received all that well at the time. No one would be interested in reading it. No, no, no. The, well, I think I had that conversation with you, didn't I? <laughs> what conversation? About it wasn't the right thing to do. For you? No, for you. To write a book? Yeah. No? It's the first time I've had this conversation. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be a good thing to do? I'll take this off here. No one would read it. <laughs> I reckon they would. I, if you were to write a book, people would read it. I, I don't think anyone That, that was it. about eight years ago. I, would... I don't even think Claire would read it, my partner. <laughs> <laughs> and she reads a lot of books, so much better, much better ones. Hey, what's happening to your man in Perth? I saw yeah. a promo. By the time this drops, this podcast, this will be public news, so this might, might not age well. <laughs> But anyway, I saw that your man Baz, who you did breakfast with, breakfast with Baz and, and uh, Famo during the finals, um, is easing back from the Basil seven, you're referring seven to. news in Perth. Yeah, I did say that. And, and now our other man, Ryan Daniels, is, uh, is the man um, reportedly about to take over from a Monday to Friday perspective. But having witnessed the Perth scene, Hutchie, as I did for five, six, whatever it was, seven weeks last year, uh, no one runs Perth like Baz. 
Apart from Kerry Stokes. Yeah. Do you reckon the, the, the decision for Tasmania to bid for the Commonwealth Games was the final straw for him? Like he just, <laughs> he's been on the Perth 26 Commonwealth Games bandwagon hard. He's got Mark McGowan's not prepared to open an account at the Commonwealth Bank, let alone <laughs> go and get the Commonwealth Games to Perth. And then he sees Tassie's about to bid. Have you, you used that line anywhere else? Is that, is that an exclusive uh, earring of that line? It, was, on? it wasn't on the fly. It wasn't bad. Yeah, but the... Um, the Tassie government would have been just about the end of him, I think. Sam McClure. Now, last week we spoke as as he and Caroline Wilson were, were wading through the apologies that they had to issue publicly on the back of the Collective Minds um, camp that was conducted at the Adelaide Crows after the 2017 Grand Final. Since we spoke in, in the past 24 hours officially, the award won by Sam McClure for the reporting on that said issue. The Quill Award, a major, major award, has been removed from his keeping. As Tell a me honestly your view on whether that was the right decision. My, my view, Hutchie, sometimes you just got to go back to the absolute simplicity of what's in front of us right now. And, and I say that in, in saying this. If you right now or anyone in the public wanted to find that story right now, we couldn't. So effectively that story doesn't exist. It was pulled off the, the platforms of, of the age and nine um, media, just totally removed as part of the legal settlement. So as such, as such, technically speaking, and, and yes, there's, there's variances on this, but the story doesn't exist. So as such, when it's revisited and the, and the committee around the awards is asked to look into it again, I, I believe not having sat in that meeting, obviously, but I believe they probably had no decision other than the one they made. You think they had to make that decision because it had been removed from being published? I, I feel so, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that way on it. Now, I might have just said it's that, like, and you might have a really aren't different most stories view removed from being Aren't most stories removed from websites soon after they happen anyway, though? Like, not like historical records. Well, they are when you're winning awards on them, I think. I mean, it's got to stand up through... Now, now again, Sam's got his views, so, and, and we reported this to be extensively clear, last week. To taken the quill off him as well. If I was on... Look, again, I don't know... If you were on the committee, it was off the website, that would have been interesting. Without having heard what Sam said, because I believe Sam presented a defence to it, I be, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming other defences would have been made to it. I'm not privy to the, all of those conversations. I've made... You know, I've, I've spoken to people around the story, Hutchie, Um I believe I would have made the same call, but but again, I'm not privy to the exact nature and the specifics of the conversation. Have your views on the story changed since the? No, they haven't changed. But we we discussed this this camp story on the run. We, we discussed it last week at length. And if those people want to, want our full view on on the story itself, go back to last week and previous episodes. But my view on it is, Hutchie, you've, you've got to be able to stand the story up upon its greatest challenge. And and the greatest challenge in this example was the legal challenge. And clearly, the media outlet chose not to stand up to it when it was threatened to. And and the media outlet, being the age slash nine newspapers, not nine news, um, chose to to back down and and not just back down, but apologise and as part of the settlement, take the stories off platform. Yeah, it's an amazing situation. I don't think it's happened before, has it? Uh, the my view hasn't changed. In fact, it's probably grown over the last seven days. He was. He was failed by the age. Failed by the age. Yeah, uh, they, they, they had, and my unless they changed their view of what happened, and we don't know whether they did or didn't. But I don't think they did. I just don't think 
they thought it was worth the hassle of having to go through the legals or pay the settlement or... But we, we discussed com- this last week, actually, and why, though, would they make that decision on that? I think they made when, a, when they're, when they're, when they're well, up to their eyeballs in bigger threats yeah. when it comes down to, to they, Ben Robert Smith. I think they made a commercial decision, and I think they underestimated the fallout or impact. If they thought in their hearts... How do you underestimate the, the wording of that apology? I think there's, they, there's no wiggle room once you read the apology. I think and, they thought that it would be two paragraphs and go away, and they misread entirely the reaction, which, which cascaded all the way down to the removal of a quill. And if they had their time again, I think they would have stood taller and, and defended it. Well, and might have still got beaten, by the way. That's, that's a massive I agree with mistake to make if that if that is indeed what you're saying's happened. Well, it's like it it remains a great story. The Adelaide Crows disintegrated on the back of that camp. That is beyond dispute. The footy club was ripped open at its seams. Most of its people, yep. key letters are gone since. Yeah, it was a, it was a. But I don't think that's in dispute, Hutchie. And and, and I'm defensive of Sam. And, that, that's, and, and you know, I've said this last week. Yep. Sam, Sam is not even a, a young gun journey. Sam's a gun journey. That's the core of the story he broke, right? Yep. Yeah. But, there, but mind- there's specifics in it, Hutchie. That that whether yep. we like it or not, and whether we want to put the the journalistic banner up and, yep. and wave it around, like like I often do, and, and I am doing to a point on this one. The story doesn't exist. There right are, now, there are specifics because his own organisation took it down. Within the, what's my point? There are specifics within the story that have been legally challenged successfully. Yep, but the story itself and its impact on Adelaide. Now, unless but, you're, but I don't think unless, you're that, unless you're saying that Sam caused the impact by reporting on, it, as opposed to the camp itself. No, is that what you're saying? No, I'm well, not saying that. So I think that, they but, but I don't think I don't think the Age was the only media outlet reporting on the story. They went harder yeah. and, and with more detail. I, mean, I reckon if they had their time again, or if Sam had his time again, it might have been one or two stories too many. Like it, it, it went on and on. And if you were in the middle of potential legal action, there's yeah. probably a time to, to you know, to rest your case, to not play the round tomorrow and be done. Yeah. And maybe the fact that... But that's that, not how he is as a journo, and, and, and a good journo. No, he got, he got hard-headed on it, no question about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and he but, gets, but, but and we he does do, get, he we does, do get hard-headed oh, as journos. journalists do. But he, he, he got hard-headed on, on keep going, and he saw the challenge, and he saw that as, you know, and in the end it might have been the volume of them as opposed to that kind of, yep. in the end, helped them mount their own case. Um. I say they failed. I don't think they deliberately failed him, but they just think. I think they made the wrong call. They should. Have, I don't know the specifics, but if mm. they if they believed his story, I, I've heard the same thing. They that, needed to dig in harder on defending that, him. That they have been a little bit shocked by what's happened in other media, but it was a dollar one that other media, yep. particularly the Herald Sun. And well, actually, I don't have a problem with the Herald Sun doing it because because you, 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 there is an accountability component to what people do and organisations do, and and I reckon too. Another instance is the age. Maybe not Sam, yeah. but but Caro would have held the same people in in respective cases to the same account. No, I think all's fair in, in love and war among newspapers, and the Herald Sun had an opportunity to square up, and they and they did. Yeah. So I don't I don't have a major problem with that either. Would, would I Car- assume would, too, by the way, that I don't know who sits on the quill. Who is the group that oversees the quill? Is it the Victorian? Melbourne? Is it the Melbourne Press Club? Don't hold me to tell that. me the News Limited haven't got decent seats on those committees. Have they? So they want, they would have had at least someone in the room when this decision was being made. I, I actually, I, I guarantee I, they would, I would have. I do not know the composition of the. Of and the, so they were up against it if they're being judged by their uh, opponents in part in a room. Now I'm yeah. not saying that that. Um, I'd imagine they would have representation on it, but I don't. I don't think that, that those people would have voted any other way other than the right way. But it just doesn't make any sense, does it? It is the Melbourne Press Club, James. Just yeah. to you need to have people out of the industry making those calls. Um, okay, I answered it. Would you have taken 
the award away? I said no last week. Um, so I, 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 mean, I didn't I didn't hear the evidence. I, I don't know the depth of the detail. On face value, I didn't know that they'd removed the, the story. That didn't help, did it? No, it hasn't helped at all. It might, have, it might have left you with no choice in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Right, we're, we're two- well, but, but do I think he should have still have a quill? Yes. That doesn't make sense. It does make sense. What? You, you remove the story. You let, you yeah. let him... I, I think it was a quill uh, well-deserved. I don't believe it was a bad choice of a quill winner. But if you're asking me if they took it down from a website and they themselves conceded defeat on their own person, would I made that call? I probably would have lurched your way and said, look, I, I don't believe this myself, but since your own publishers made the decision for us, we've got no choice here. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a very unusual one, and I feel for him, and I feel I for, do too, and I feel for the age. I think they misread the room. You feel for the age. You just said I that said, they I, sold out. I just, no, I think they made a bad call on the day, and I reckon they re- realise it now. Okay. Uh, well, by the way, there's an early nomination for next year's winner, though, in the Quills. Yep. Um, I saw this controversially. <laughs> Controversy-plagued ex-wag Nadia Bartel has told of the projectile vomiting and poo-nami disaster that stunk out her luxury Land Rover. She said her plight of having to put up with a foul pong in her wagon, even asking her social media fans for help eradicating or veiling the stench, as she had not had time to have the car detailed. That's enough, Archie. And that was the headline. Herald Sun lead, Nadia vents over son's gastro smell in her luxury car. So that's going to be hard to beat next year. Will it beat the other one that news.com.au put out during the week? Um, I don't even want to read this out, actually. Don't, my, don't do it. No, nah, because then, then my voice... No. By the way, I believe that if Nadia, if that story does win a quill and is taken off her, <laughs> yeah. Nadia's son is prepared to come and give evidence. <laughs> Unlike the Adelaide Crows players. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know where to go now. Um, now, missing girl Cleo Hutchie, there, there was a $2 million price tag attached to Channel 9's securing of the, the, the mum and the stepfather of Cleo, which aired on 60 Minutes the previous Sunday to the one we've just talked about. What value did you get out of $2 million for starters? Uh, I haven't seen the television audience. Did it? What numbers did it do? I think it did better than ScoMo from memory. It, it, yeah. I think it did fine. Um, maybe not as much as actually. No, I'm, I'm, I'm retracing. It, it didn't do as, as many as some people expected. But as you know, when when News Limited's reporting about Channel Nine, it's always played down. Even even the amount of first sight numbers, which are in the millions, they're saying they're, they're down year on year, and, and they, they were down on a day year on year. But they're just still winning all slots and and over the opposition by half a million sometimes. So you don't believe what you read when it say when they say the numbers are down. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the numbers. They wouldn't get a return on the two million. You know, what would, it, what would an average episode of 60 minutes cost? per? Like if you if you factored in their production budget, their staff, their travel. Probably not as much as it used to because there isn't any yeah. travel. It always isn't as much but travel, wouldn't is it? Be, if it's 52 weeks a year, it's probably 10 weeks of reruns. It's caught 12 weeks of reruns. It's caught 42 weeks a year. There wouldn't be much change in thirty to forty million dollars with there for sixty minutes. It'd be seven fifty to a million an episode. By the time you, you an episode, don't you think? Well, by the time you pay everybody and the travel and the post production and you pay you pay talent, you pay they pay subjects. It might be twenty million, twenty five, thirty. James just found an article. I think it's on the 
Daily Mail, is it? That it was Jane, the fourth come to the highest... microphone, please, Jane. Right, we don't have to second guess you here. You're always welcome here at the Sounding Board. So according, guys, to uh, thedailymail.com.au. Oh, there we go. 60 Minutes Cleo Smith interview was only the fourth highest rating show of the night, despite huge payment to her mum and dad. Last night's ScoMo episode was also beaten by Vera on the ABC. There we go. So no, no return on investment, but it's not. There, there's ongoing going, investment though. Yeah. There, there's ongoing projects. I don't know what they would be. But oh, that's my point. It's, it's a heartwarming story of like everyone. Yeah. Everyone was so. I watched that one too, and I, and I wasn't going to. But everyone I watched was that one so too. moved by the the story and the yeah. and the relief. It would be bundled into a series of other things in magazines and through the dot com and through all the different digital assets and so and be stretched over time. So you know these things get bundled in a way that. You know, my point is, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's not when you actually cut and paste Amortize it, it and, you, yeah. and you run it against, you know, not doing, not paying for an interview for the next two Sundays. Scomo would have been free, for instance. Then, you know, it's not, you know, it's not too bad. Yep, they they cop a lot of criticism, and in in the media world, that's that's a fair game for for the price they paid. But but some of the media outlets criticising them, Hutchie, yep. made bids themselves. Well, that's the point. I.e., News Limited. If you read a story ever in the print, News Limited was interested in the story about. Someone being in paid for an interview. There, there's always a fair chance that the person writing the story was part of the underbid. Whoever runs second normally does what's called a spoiler, which is can't believe they're paying for this, and that uh, that can happen. So just keep an eye out for that one. And I, I, I suspect that probably happened here. All right, Hachi. Let's get to the weekly part of the sounding board. <laughs> On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. I have a couple of questions of the week here, Hachi. Uh, Mozza from Cobden it came via email. Just wondering if either of you two guys have invested in any cryptocurrencies or NFTs, they being non-fungible tokens yet personally. And Hachi, as a CEO, do, you, do cryptos have any role in the businesses that you run? Well, NFTs obviously on the agenda pretty big time for every business, including ours. So we're in sports. So yeah, we're working through our NFT strategy. Can you layman terms NFTs for our listeners who may not be aware of it? Don't worry, that's the thing. The only person listening right now who doesn't know what NFTs are would be you. I don't know what NFT is. Oh, okay. Tell us. It's a digital image that is commercialised in, in a way that I not, I, not I, I don't. I don't believe that has got any future in terms of investment, despite the world seeing. seeing I think it's going to be the MySpace of the commercial world. Oh, don't you? I, I think that's going to be a famous quote in years to come. <laughs> I don't think blockchain's going anywhere, Damon. No, no, no. Don't, don't say blockchain. That's different to NFT. NFT is, it, NFT is already a well-established. Have you seen Brady's new NFT business autograph? No. It looks looks very impressive. I'm talking about the specifics of NFT. NFTs are already. Rampant in sport. Have you got any? Is to our question from Moza. I personally don't own any, but as a business, we're looking pretty closely at some of our products and how they align. And I'm sure everyone is. The AFL have got a crypto partner now. They'll announce their own NFTs uh, very soon, if not already. Um, and most sports every, every business will yeah. of any nature will soon. There's no U-turn now on NFTs. Cryptocurrencies to, to Moza's question. Any personally? Yeah. What what are, what are you the uh, no, Mozza's asked the question. Mozza from Cobden has asked the question. Uh, Mozza? No, not personally. You, Damo? No, but I wish I did because I, I work with a couple of guys who are obsessed with it at yep. Triple M. And they've, look. At, uh, Name names? Well, Nathan Brown for one of them. He's public with it. The other one yep. is not as public. But Brayshaw. Yep. No, not Brayshaw. Well, he might be, but I've discussed it at length with Brayshaw. But 
I wish I had of about five years ago when it was a whole, worth a whole lot less than it is now. Certainly, Bitcoin, the specific yep. of Bitcoin, anyway. Yeah. Um, James, by the way, Brayshaw is releasing a range of NFTs, rare shots of him working in February. <laughs> Like Jane Luster. <laughs> well, at least he's at least he's worked, items. Hang on, at least <laughs> he's worked, he turned up. At least he's worked in February and January, Hutchie. Unlike yes. uh, the people you were paying Sitting this year. When, when are when when are they coming back? Gary and Bucks back on Feb twenty eight. Gary and Bucks. Tim back on March one. And Bucks is going to tell us how to run media as he seems to I want to do this. He's got some space. views on it. He's yeah, got some a, views on it. Yeah. Be different. Yeah, yep. he's got some views on it. And then he jumped onto the reality TV show to. Further a, a brand. Oh, both of those things are true. Hmm. Well, you have a problem with that? I'm, gonna, I'm keen to see how he thinks we should do media because he's very vocal oh, about look it. How defensive the media get. He's That's very a great vocal. That's a great insight out there into how glass jawed the media are. You know, I've said about him, and I've, I've been saying this. Yes, I've been all saying of you, this. All of you. I've been saying this for ten years about Bucks. He's the best media performer. Not a coach being a media. If he wanted to be a media commentator ten years ago, fifteen years ago, he would have been the best at it, and yep. he will be. But he's got some st- – now, now he's on the other side of the fence. I'm just keen to see if he's going to be as uh, staunch on the, the views he's got of media. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. You'll find out 11, 16, SEN, 6 a.m. February 28. Oh, can't or wait. Or on the SEN app. Yeah, when, you whenever, haven't downloaded whenever, the SEN app, whenever, whenever, you should. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, now, John Malici on email. We're going to do a second question of the week, actually. After watching the 60 Minutes episode on the Prime Minister, do either of you have any secret musical instrument skills that should, shouldn't be shared with Australia? Here we go. <laughs> Yeah. Have you done me? No, I got absolutely zero. <laughs> I I did learn piano. Mum and Dad paid really? an inordinate amount of money for me to learn piano. You look like a bloke that played the piano. It's it's in. Imba- I, I could barely do a scale right now, but that's that that and and I played it that terribly, Hutchie. But that would have been two or three years ago. As you know, I go running when the karaoke microphone's going around, yeah. so I've got no interest or skill set in that I space. So you're playing the uh, harmonica and the or the, the um, flute, the tambourine, or the cymbals, the tambourine at the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, Unfortunately, John, no, I don't have any musical well, skills Well, you think at all. you do when you've had one or two beers, and only one or two. You think you do when you no, want to pass the karaoke setup. I, I remember- You it, charge in and I remember <laughs> bribe the person running it. I'm up next, I'm up next, and you sing Mr. Brightside. In, in, in uh, earlier days and in healthier times for him, Mark Bomber Thompson actually said to me at a karaoke bar- it doesn't matter in a karaoke bar how you sing if you own the song. <laughs> and that has stuck with me. Just get up and own the song. It doesn't matter if you haven't had a, even had a sip to drink. Well, I've seen you do it a couple of times. Um, and own the song. You, you moan, Mr. Brightside. What was that one? We're in LA and was it that Smash Mouth song? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're at, was it Smash Mouth? We're at, we were at King's Head. <laughs> In Santa Monica, yeah. which is the night we walked in and Vinnie Jones was having his birthday and started singing, you know, the actor. You, this might be another night, Hutchie. I don't think I was there with you that night. It might have been a different night. But, yeah. I, I think I, it's sm- – I, I th- You and I had walked hey in. Hey, now, you're a rock star. Get, 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 that one. Is that Smash Mouth? Yeah. Yeah, you we, sang that. We'd walked in. There was no one there. <laughs> no, there's no one. And the people that were there weren't there much there. longer. It was 8 o'clock and we were entirely sober as, and we'd, we'd had um, a steak and – I shocked you. You thought I was going to the bar to get the first beer. Well, I came out of you the bathroom and you're up on the microphone singing Smash Mouth. You looked up. <laughs> and and you badly. rolling into I ate the sharpest tool in the shed and you couldn't, you couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was just trying to get a laugh out of you. I had to leave. <laughs> All right, that was uh, the question of the week, or the questions of the week, John Malici and Mozza from Cobden. Hutchie, just, yet? Thank you. That's the end of the sounding board for Drinkwise. You won't miss a PVO moment if you Drinkwise. <laughs> Can I say to our audience, I'm on PVO Watch. If you see anything on <laughs> Channel 10 social 
or on the news clips or on the late news or everything. Even if it's a sneaky 4.30 afternoon cross into Canberra and he thinks he's got away with it or into <laughs> Newcastle and you hear uh, PBO joins us. PBO, what do you think? Well, it's glad you asked. <laughs> he gets that little bit of a wobble going too. He's got the classic late Danny Frawley wobble. <laughs> He, he, he's also pushing the camera with his fist like he's a politician himself. I'm all over PBO Watch, so let me know if you see anything and we'll give it a run on the sounding board. All right, that was Episode 2, Series 7 of the sounding board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to watch out for PBO or choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.